On this episode of the podcast, we'll be telling you how to encourage your players to become DMs. You will escape the life of the forever DM. Welcome to We Speak Common. Benjamin. Joseph. We're back again. I nearly said like the Renegade Master. I mean, I technically I just did, but the, you know, I stopped myself to so be proud. Yes, we are. We have returned for another week of Dungeons and Dragons talking in the hiatus that is our games. Yeah. Oh, it's so depressing. How long has it been now? Uh, Two month, weeks? Three weeks? Month? Month. A month? It's got to be. Blimey. That is depressing. It's at least a month. I, I was thinking maybe a month and a half. Next weekend is the weekend. That we actually get to play some D&D. Is it? What game are we actually playing? I can't. Well, Erton's laptop's broken, so probably Lost Minds. We'll Lost. probably finish Lost Minds and move into Dra- uh, Dragon Heist, that finally. Be, that will be fun. That will be fun. I'm very much looking forward to that. Just want to level up. Just want to level up, get level five. Get level five, fight a dragon. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, is that going to happen? I don't... Could happen. Could happen. It's in the title, Dragon. They are about... <laughs> Yes. Yep. I'm going to be careful what I say now. Um, yeah, how's life going, though? What's going on? It's good, mate. It's good. I've been thinking about Dungeons & Dragons a lot, actually, mm-hmm. over the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because every time we suggest a game day, it gets thwarted. Yeah, yep. which is depressing. So I then revert back to just thinking about, thinking about <laughs> characters and builds and numbers. Been on a very build-heavy thought train of late. Do you know what I've been thinking about? Baldur's Gate 3 yes oh my god that trailer it was very exciting it's exciting to see seromorphosis happen in high definition I know I I was I was slightly confused as to what was happening at first because I was like because it could have gone a few ways Mm. as he was transforming people who don't know Baldur's Gate 3 trailer come out being made by Larian Studios like this literally could could, be it, it could not have possibly been, been made by people right. you know more qualified to make this game yeah um yeah, and the guy's uh, a little bit ill, looks a bit worried. He's in the he's streets. part of, of the Flaming Fists. Yeah, he's in the streets of Baldur's Gate. Um, Lots of dead people around. Yeah, it seems like it's been a bit of a... Uh, it's kicked off a bit. Do you know what's interesting as well? It takes place after Baldur's Gate Descent into Avanas, which obviously was just announced as the tabletop game, the new module or adventure, whatever word you want to use. I prefer module. Um, I like the old school sound of it. Um, so it, it is it's in line with the canon of the table game which is pretty fun that's cool that's really cool I like it I like the vibe of Baldur's Gate compared to like Waterdeep I have never visited Baldur's Gate no? Mm-mm. I've never been that is shocking I mean to be fair I've never played it in a D&D game Mm-hmm. Like a tabletop game, yeah. But just the, the vibe of the city is being a bit darker, a bit more gothic. Um, is a, a bit more Gotham. Yeah, it's just it's a bit more grim, basically, which is I think is more just more up my alley in terms of theme. Mm. I think which will be fun. But it was cool when he transformed into a uh, lemon flyer. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And I. I've realised as well, the one thing that's come out of this, because I, I say seromorphosis, which is the process of being transformed into a MyFlayer, if you don't know. Have a look at Volos or give it a Google. It is horrific and very interesting. You should definitely throw it into... A little worm in your head. A little worm in your eye, mm. in your brain. Yeah, you should throw it into your game. It's fun. Um, not, not for the players, but fun for you. And 
I, I've, I've always said metamorphosis because that's how Chris Perkins always said it. He's yeah. the first person I heard say it out loud. Mike Miles says metamorphosis. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to really bandy words no. with that one. But, well, you know what? This ties in quite nicely because when, at the end of the trailer, when you, you know, the, the mind flayers flying up and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them in the sky and mm-hmm. they're big ships there mm-hmm. and they're honestly sort of looking over the city that's the sort of eldritch horror i was kind of inferring to when we were talking about it with like starspawn and stuff yeah the other week that feeling of that, like, like flash of lightning and, and then the, suddenly there. just the unknown yeah. of just like pure terror is uh great so I'm, it is great i'm hyped so we will talk about that definitely definitely in the future when more mm. details come and they're doing out. lots of little updates which is fun yeah they've well. got um the Valerian Gazette rather than doing Kickstarter updates so yeah, if you want to follow Baldur's Gate sign up to that yeah cool alright well let's uh, let's let's have a look at this this topic today so a gentleman this was suggested by a, a young fellow oh well I say gen- I mean it could be a girl I don't know Reddit is um, pretty much gender neutral a chap usernames. if you will a definitely most likely 90% human being mm. but it could have been uh a mind flyer, we don't know. I'm just going to get their name. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What did one earwig say to the other when they fell off a cliff? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, hello, Dad. Genius. Um, Branch Dressing is their name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see an episode on how to help players get comfortable enough to DM occasionally. Hmm. Now, so, this is something we have uh, struggled with for some time. Well, yeah, I think I think I would say we have experience in it. Whether or not it's successful we, is another to thing. be decided by you. Yeah, because, you know, we, we, me and you are, I would say, the key DMs of the game, although that is now changing somewhat. But originally, for like the first year... Uh, or more, year and a half, year really. And a half, two years, yeah. It was, uh, it was you and I. You DM a game, I DM a game. Yeah. Pretty much. All. We were the ones who originally said, oh, guys, there's this really cool game called Dungeons & Dragons. Mm. I know you know what that is, so let's play. And then we ended up Yeah, and then we were just going on these stints for, like, I DM for, like, a month, six weeks, and you DM for, like, a month, and mm-hmm. just etc. So... Then we were trying to... Because we wanted to play a bit more, so we were like, okay, well, how can we uh, facilitate that? Yeah, how how can we pass the baton on? Mm. And this is interesting. I brought this up to Phoebe, who plays. Uh, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Plays in our games too, and she was saying when she was here, when she was guesting that the way she got into D anD D was I was reading the module to to prepare it, and I told her something, and she said it sounded really interesting. And her first response before I want to play was, "Oh, I think I could DM a game." That was her first response. Now, having played, she looks at what we do and she sees all the maths and all the planning and she thinks, oh, no, there's a lot there. So there, That's the thing, but it, <clears throat> it seems like more than it is with DMing. Yeah. I think you, the first thing you need to do if you're trying to convince someone to DM, well, one, they've got to want to, so they've got to, like, have a story idea or something, some sort of... Um, or at least really like a module that they want to yeah, run. Yeah, some sort of fantasy that they're trying to bring to life, whether it just be sort of like an image in their head or there's something specific they want to achieve through the game. And so once they have that, I think it's key to get their perspective correct on what DMing actually is because mm. oftentimes it's it, it's made out to be a lot more difficult than it actually is. Um, it's really not like to to okay to be like an a, an absolutely fantastic DM that's like a, a complete and utter wizard of Matt Mercer of the yeah or you know a variety of people like Mike Miles you know the, the people who really when you watch them DM it's just like this is just a masterful experience right 
that is difficult don't get me wrong but to have a competent game run which is fun mm. you know especially with your friends mm. like if you're just playing with your friends like half the battles already won because yeah exactly because they can, like you <laughs> you can have fun with your friends just you know watching paint dry it's not like particularly difficult you've just got to facilitate a basic um adventure really have you ever have we ever sat and watched paint dry i don't think so we've watched grass grow i think a couple of times so yeah there's that and i think once you and explain to them that look, this is not actually that hard like so i think maybe just opening up your own process a little bit and just saying look this is how i do letting it. them peer behind the curtain just slightly yeah you ain't got to give spoilers away or anything for your own game but just say look this is the sort of thing i would do or if they you could say to them oh so tell me your idea for a game and they're like okay well i just got this idea about like a i don't know a, a prison escape type of type one shot it's generally a one shot they want to do first i find is they have like one little idea yeah, and they don't have to worry about extending they, it that they want to complete um and then so i would say like okay they go oh, i've got this like prison break like, okay well how would you go about playing that I'm like well i don't know i'm like well okay what's the beginning going to be you know what's the how's it going to start you'll There's, meet in a pub yeah in yeah. in a prison in, a in, pr- in, <laughs> in the prison pub in the mess in the mess um, hall, yeah so yeah you know you get an idea for the start you're like okay what what's the sort of general hook going to be what's happening um and he's like okay well it's like a standard heist i'm like okay so you'd be like well you'd think about the map a little bit maybe just a few bits like that what's the general middle going to be um and in the end so you first of all i say to someone okay well it sounds like it's going to be a dungeon then the prison's going to be a dungeon isn't it mm. to try and escape from mm. basically um so then you just work from there and it, it, it instantly as soon as you start getting uh, realistic with it with the actual challenges it becomes a lot less daunting i find because they're understanding that oh no it's just this step then this step then this step to put it all together it's not like this massive un understandable thing basically yeah um so I, w- I would say go with that like what with our um with our players i think like james was the one who's obviously now dming with us we're more of a trio now than a duo yeah and he just came to us with a one-shot idea. He was like, okay, I want to run something. And then we sourced like a um, pre-written adventure just off of... Uh, DM's Guild, DM's which is Guild. a fantastic resource you should be using. Yep. And um, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll run that. He was quite good because straight away he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to modify a few bits and stuff like that. Yeah, he wasn't afraid to jump in and change things and, and write his own bits and bobs. Like, yes, this is good. Yeah, this and that, that's good. like if, they, if, you're, if they're willing to do that, then they're not going to need much pushing. I think um, I've had I've had a number of people say to me, oh, I really want to run a I really want to run a game, but I just don't know. Like, I'm not comfortable or or I'm not confident in it. And the thing is, the 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 only thing you can really do is is encourage people in in a in the right way you you have to say like look whatever happens we're your mates if it's if it's a terrible campaign we'll have a laugh we'll have some fun like it doesn't matter if it's a terrible one shot it doesn't matter another key thing is if you're playing with one of your dms that is running the like say if you're one of the dms that you're normally a player in is now going to be a player in your game you know you've just got like a, a more encyclopedic rule book that you can yeah. just pull into so if you're in the middle of the game you're like oh i don't quite know how that w- rule works just ben how yeah. does this work and obviously i'd never ask you because i've just a much greater understanding of the rules <laughs> than you ever would but right. you know if i was in that case you know i say oh ben you know i'm not quite sure about this rule what would we do here or for instance you can just say look oh, i'll just support you so if they say if a player says i want to do this really off the wall thing you might just go oh how would you normally write that and yeah. i'll tell oh that would probably be yeah. an athletic check stop and have a conversation about it and uh, come to a conclusion together 
Yeah, so I think encouraging is is the the thing you have to do, and I think you have to do it the right way. I don't think if if you're in a group and you're thinking I want to play, I don't want to DM, I want to play. That's that's the wrong way to go about it because then you're going to be like you you should dm you should do it give it a go what you're waiting for you're going to force it on them and then they're going to they maybe they're going to do it and it, they're not going to want to do it and it's not going to go well and it's going to be a bad experience dnd i have always said is this collaborative togetherness that you're a group you're not it's not versus it's you know you, mm. you're working together so it's got to be that way in everything i think there are two key ways people normally start either one they grab an adventure and there are pros and cons to that so if you grab an adventure it's going to be easier because you haven't got a cart of any of the creative side really mm. obviously you know you've still got to improvise and dm and stuff on the night but all the stuff is written for you you've just got to read through it get a good understanding of it and then you can run it and that is really good i think i prefer it when people when they first dm just come up with their own stuff and yeah. run it because yeah. you have much more ownership and agency over your own creation and so I find people are generally a lot more passionate about it once you've made your own thing. Like James did that pre-written adventure, and that was great. And then he carried it on yeah, into his own it. thing. Mm. And then that's when his real sort of DMing style and prowess began to emerge, yeah. I found. I think the problem is, though, not everyone's going to want to do that. And that's okay as well. The starter set exists for a reason, even if you've played it before. There are, and like I say, there's so much stuff on DMs Guild. I just like, think, pay I, what you want and free stuff, too. I think, it's, I think it's a lot easier than it seems, though, to make your own thing. Like, if you just want to do a one-shot, and first of all... You know, if you got you're playing with your mates and they're you know they're decent people, they're gonna understand. This is your first time DMing, they're not gonna play up. You mm. know, yeah. they're not gonna do what I do to Ben and just go in the opposite direction of wherever he points me at <laughs> every opportunity. You know, that's that, why you die often. People will, um, you know, they should go along with you if you just say, look, I'm new DM here. Um, could, if you guys could just, you know, go just, easy on me just for this. Follow one. the railroad for a little bit. You know, yeah. When the wizard comes up to you and he gives you the quest, you, you, you're going to accept it, damn it, okay? Yeah, please. Um, you know, and the player should be okay with that. And then as you get more comfortable, you can expand out into a more sandbox style of play if you want to. So I would say, if you're thinking, oh, you know, I've, I've got this idea, but I'm not sure if I'd run a, 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 an adventure first. I'd say just do it. Just just make your own thing. Mm. It's It doesn't have to be mega complex. I would say, we were talking about last week about you know making a session like 20 minutes and i think you can use those same principles here where you just need a few key locations a few key npcs that you can drop in a couple of encounters maybe you know and then an overall arc like maybe a bad guy at the end who you kill and then yeah. you level up at the yeah. end of the one shot right and if you're running a whole campaign you can build outwards that's what i did with my campaign you know I started the players off in a relatively isolated point of the world. They went to one town. They met one real key individual, like leader of that town. Mm. There was a couple of side characters. There were some other stuff they could go off in the forest and do if they wanted. Of like, okay, if they just, if they happen to just go off in a random direction, I can just pick this one sort of. I, I call it a random encounter. It's not random because I made it specifically, yeah, yeah. but a, the idea the of a random of encounter. Random encounter. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so I had that, and then the players just went through, did that that quest I started them off in a, a good thing you can really do if you're a, a DM is you know the classic thing is okay start off in a in a tavern and then you get a quest and stuff that's fine but if you are slightly concerned about the open nature of that mm. 
just start them midway through mm. so just say look you're on the road going to this place you've accepted the job you're with a bunch of strangers that's you, how the star set starts exactly you're with yeah. a bunch of strangers who you've all come together just to do this this job you need to fill out the numbers mm. and uh, yeah you're, you're midway through that way you've set some sort of tracks for the guys to follow yeah um, and it's not unreasonable for them to to do that now you know because it, that's the sort of the, the narrative you've begun with so I think that's really good again um, a few tips I use uh, when I don't want things to be too expansive and I don't have to plan too much is set things in an isolated area mm-hmm. i.e. You know, it's probably best not to do your very first adventure that you're planning as like a massive sprawling cityscape. No. Because there's just a lot of directions the players can go that you might have to plan for. If you want to challenge yourself and, and have a lot of improv, then that, go for it. That's great. Yeah, all by the means. And it, this is the thing everybody's different and everybody's going to feel more confident or less confident, or, you know, they're all going to have their own preferences. So wherever you are for your first game, that's fine. We were awful at our first games. Mm. Um, really, really bad stuff. And now we DM regular campaigns in in realised worlds. You know, oh, well, I mean, speak for yourself. I mean, right. I mean, regular is a bit <laughs> is a bit of an overshadow over uh, over egg there. Um, okay, so let's talk about encouraging in the way of your your player comes to you and they say, look, I really want I really want to DM. I've got an idea. I've got a story. I've thought about it, but I'm overwhelmed by everything. I'm overwhelmed by the rules. I'm overwhelmed by creating stat blocks and creatures and encounters. And At that point, I, I slide the uh, DMG across the table and I say, oh, if, you, if you read that, there will be an exam. <laughs> there will be an exam on Thursday and I need you to get a 95% plus yeah. if you are going to DM. And then you DM. can DM. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we've all done the DMG exam. They, they, I won't, mean, it, they won't be multiple choice. No, so. it is legal. Mm-hmm. And the 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 essay questions at the end are tough they are tough you think the uh, bar exam for law is tough I mean Mm -hmm. yeah it it is tricky and when you're using the Aarakocra trigonometry to find out the flight path and their range and rates there's that one that that always comes up every year you know a red dragon flies east at 55,000 miles uh, a blue dragon flies west how soon will Tiamat rise it's you know it's tough it's Mm. tough yeah there's a lot of variables in that yeah and it's a little bit um, you know it's down to you as well. It's objective. Mm. I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, yes, that is a good tip. Read the DMG. Read the bloody books. Yeah, the DMG is good. I, to be honest, I never really used it all that much. Um, I didn't at first. But there is some thing is the DMG is quite dense, and there's a lot of info in it that is really not necessary. I mean, I still pull off books off the bookshelf, and I and I open them, and I go, oh. This is this is interestingly good. Oftentimes, I've I've made like a workaround for a rule or like system for myself, and, like, found and then I've like found one in the DMG and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, this would have yeah, been. like there's chase rules in there, and there's ray gun rules, and there's firearm rules. Yeah, I'm and... like, this would have been useful. <laughs> there's stuff that you you don't think's in there. It is in there, so read it and use it. But the good thing about Five E is it's so malleable and so um sort of loosey goosey with its rule set that you. <laughs> That's good words. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say better. Um, that you the you, you don't really need to know too much of the specifics. For instance, like I'm, well, I'm always moaning about stealth being so uh, nebulous, yeah. which is annoying. But at the same time, if you don't really know what to do, there's no real wrong answer. If you say, oh, like oftentimes, because um, I'm stealthing around a lot in uh, James's game, yeah, right, um, as the rogue, and there's no real preset rule set on how often you need to make a stealth check like if you're rogue sneaking around a dungeon do you make do you make them roll once and then they're hidden until they perform an action or an yeah, attack my... do you make them roll 
every time every they enter a room. For me, oftentimes, once when I'm DMing, DMing, if someone rolls a stealth check, I'll generally let them remain stealth until they do until something. Until they do something, they until try, they're discovered. Yeah, well, they try yeah. something a bit outrageous. So, yeah, it's like if they if they attack someone or, or they, yeah. they make a noise, or if they're discovered by passive perception. But James makes me roll more often than that. Mm-hmm. Which again is fine. It's annoying for me because I often fail my stealth checks. <laughs> but you know, Bad rogue. it's not it's not necessarily it's not necessarily wrong. That's just the style of game he's running, right? Yeah. Um, and he makes me play a little bit different. I'm a little bit more cautious because mm-hmm. I know my you know if I get a high stealth roll, there's only so much I can do with it. You know, mm-hmm. before I have to risk another one. Um, so stuff like that, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, in one instance, you'd be like, okay, I want to string across this chandelier and I'm like, oh, well, I'd normally make that like a, an acrobatic right, check. Yeah. But if you make it uh, an athletic check, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be too upset about it, really. You know, it, that stuff like that doesn't matter. The specific stuff, um, like you know how how do certain reactions work how do certain bonus actions work stuff like that yeah you've got you just got to rely on your player what the thing is I don't even though I look at the rules quite a lot and you know do a lot of theory craft and stuff I don't know all of them and when a player tells Wait, me you don't I know it's a <laughs> okay it's a, it's, it's, it's a shock you Jeez. know it's a shock I, I never did learn those firearm rules at the back of the book oh I know them don't worry they're it's fine because one, one of the things I know because I've built on top of them. So. <laughs> All right, humble mate, brag. Mate, I've added, I've added to the firearm. You wait. You've just found a gun. Oh, yeah. You wait until it explodes in your face. <laughs> There's rules for that now. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, so stuff like that, I'd say as well, you know, if you're a new DM, just say, look, to your players, can you make sure you understand your characters and the yes, rules and what they can one. and can't do? That's one thing that I've always said is, my job is to look after the world, your job is to look after your characters, and it, there needs to be a level of trust where if you tell me you can do something, I'm going to believe you because I want you to know your characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should know a little bit too. And you can often feel when something's wrong. Yeah. And you're like, oh. okay, well, I can you're, survive you're, doing, you're doing 12 attacks this round? Yes. I, okay, the math, something's off no, here. no no I get 12 because I've action surged and I'm a paladin oh right <laughs> oh, yeah okay that sounds right yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a mystic yeah, so, yeah, oh, yeah oh, okay that, yeah makes I, sense next level I can just come back to life it, it, it doesn't, he actually said that last game yeah I know it intimidates me when he comes and he brings like his mystic notes and it's a book yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a thesis <laughs> and he's like let me just flick to tw- page 28 right I think there's something that I can count here to page 394 <laughs> yeah um, yeah <laughs> Look, just to go back to that we were literally talking about this and we were joking about it and we are like oh you know at least we can kill him this way and he's like yeah but when I'm level 20 you can't he's like I just can't die my body just comes back to life in two weeks you were like yeah okay and he's like no 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 no, no read this read this <laughs> it literally says this I just come back to life it's awful <laughs> it's what, the, what is going on with that class oh, anyway yeah. um so I think one of the things I've always have people um, in the groups have come to me I mean less nice so now because I think everyone except for two of them have DM'd for us now um, which is a good majority and we'll of the get them in the end oh we will is that they've I'm really interested to see what DM style Phoebe has to be honest but um, I'm interested in Wesley have you never played in a Wesley game no I haven't it's good fun it's very roleplay heavy but mm. it's good fun um, and he thinks he can't 
balance encounters, but he's actually very good at it. I can't. You can't. I don't know what I'm doing. I you mean, definitely can't. No, no, no. I can because I balance them with, I hope at least someone dies this encounter. And that does <laughs> and happen that every does time. Happen every yeah. time. So um, I build my encounters to be extremely deadly because you're all level nine. Ben just fingers of death us every every session. Like, And there's just literally, it's quite literally nothing you can do about it. You just roll... And die. And die. That's it. But at least I give you chances to come back to life. Sure, Ben. I feel like it would have been easy if we just didn't die in the first place, but... Look, tangent, but my problem is that I've picked an, a, a type of enemy that should be reoccurring, and unfortunately that reoccurring enemy has Finger of Death, so I've sort of I've dug myself into a hole now, and I just keep <laughs> digging. There's, just keep there's digging. Not, and, like, each session comes by after, like, three weeks from the last one, so I get there, I'm looking at the stat block, and I'm like, oh, they've got Finger of Death, I'll use that, forgetting what happened last time. So, you know, anyway... Yeah, if you just other DMs out there finger of death okay you can't you get no death saves if you die yeah you, you just die you just become you just die you just die that's that's the issue here hence why it's called it's like disintegrate finger of death. but kind of worse yeah so because you come back to a zombie and you, you have to then play as a zombie beating your friends mm. up which is great fun um, yeah so I have a lot of people come to me and say I get intimidated by uh, the the actual like stats in the maths I get intimidated by that and to which I reply I got a C in my maths so don't worry, I wasn't. I wasn't clever, um, and I use a calculator on my phone, mm. and and then you're pretty much there. The only thing that that I think it, people really struggle to get around is is the encounter stuff. But like you say, we we struggle with that. And I think my advice has always been, and I mean, take this with a pinch of salt because this is how I think, and it's very clear in my games. If a character dies, a character dies that's part of the game and as a player if my character dies well that was their time my characters died um i always build an encounter no, you're taking the uh dan and dave season eight game of thrones approach where character arcs <laughs> who cares no. about them no character arcs matter <laughs> but at the same which is why at the same time people can die that yeah, is D &D. people can die and that's why i'm not afraid to put in options for resurrection and stuff like that because it is and it's built into the game you know it's the probably the least uh realistic part of the whole game is the resurrectional magic but it's there for a reason and you can use it sparingly or you can use it every session if you're you know bad at <laughs> balancing encounters <laughs> me um and I think as a player, I always think that, you know, if my character dies, my character dies, that's kind of part of it. And, and I'm here to experience that story. I don't want to know they're going to get to the end. There needs to be risk and reward. And if you're building encounters and you think, I want it to be a tough encounter, then what cool, what what is the one thing that's going to make your players go, wow, this was a bloody tough encounter? They nearly died, mm. you know? And I say with tough encounters, just as a, a tip we've sort of spoken about before, it's just I always like to try and foreshadow... Uh, an upcoming uh, challenge if it's yes. going to be very difficult in just some way just so the players are aware of it you know I won't just I won't drop like a, a really dangerous dragon on the party in like a random encounter you know um, without forewarning them you know I'm never going to just drop something on top of them where someone could die and yeah. it feels un undeserved mm -hmm. if you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, I want because the thing is in players can die in D&D &D, and it can happen like even in a, in a fairly easy encounter a player can die if just the dice don't work for you right and that's just a bad role there but what I don't want is for me personally I'm somewhat more leaning in that if my players wait, make like one bad mistake I don't want to punish them with death I want no. them I want them to make systematically 
are multiple poor mistakes <laughs> that lead to a death. You want to have poor choices and then you can die, not yeah. one mistake in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, for instance, if I warn them about um, a bunch of dangerous uh, hags in the area, you know, and but I, te- I give them the opportunity that they could learn about hags, and they say, no, nah, it's fine, no, I'm not worried. And then when the hags all just turn invisible and just lightning bolt them all to death, and you can't hit them, you can't see them, and you know, that's that's systematic bad choices that led to their yeah. death, you know. But I won't just drop that on them. You won't just uh, you won't just drop a coven on them from the top of nowhere. No, and no. I'll probably drop in, you know, if they did follow that uh, kind of investigative. investigative sort of route I would give them you know an opportunity maybe they get a true sight potion or something yeah, like that you know yeah. stuff like that um, it's so, like with, with, with my game that you've been hearing about the return of the is dragons. there a potion to avoid fingers of death is that is, that, uh, is there an anti finger of death n- potion we no. could, is, that, is that what we've been missing this whole time um, no you just you just attack the wrong people first chop off their fingers yeah, but then it's just like stump of death, <laughs> nub of death, <laughs> nub of death. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, it actually does more damage. Yeah, it, yeah, it's actually double because they're, they're, there's five fingers. <laughs> they just can't see them. Yeah. <laughs> um, fist of death. No, no, hang on. Um, hang on. Uh, I'm not fisting you. Um, so let's talk about the fact that, like in that example, I've been talking about dragons returning to the world for since the beginning of the game and now you have seen a dragon in the distance and now you're going to go to it i've also given you the chance to read about dragons you've mm-hmm. done that so and you know you've got um you've got more knowledge than you think you have uh, like i did to... think this was the opportunity as well i was like ah, oh, i can prepare i can see what color it is i'm like ben what color it is and he's like you can't see you can't it's see it's, it's, too it's, it's too far away <laughs> it's too far. it was it was miles in the distance up as well uh so it was like a black speck it's like when you see a plane you can't see the plane is blue can you when it's up in the sky. That's no, true. If it's if it's a, I'm talking very very passenger far plane. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, you know, you, you foreshadow and you drop them in, and then they can use them. But that's the thing: building encounters doesn't have to be scary. Yeah. I would go off that the rule as well. We were talking about a couple of weeks ago that um, it's easier generally just to run a couple of big monsters than it is lots of little ones mm. because uh, you're managing lots less, Far less initiative yeah. um, and you're not you know you're not flicking between like 10 different stat blocks yeah um, or if you are doing lots of little guys just make them the same well do you know what do you know what's really changed my game is that I have actually started creating prep documents now before I would write notes and I'd have have like little notes than papers and things but now I've started using I've done what you do but in person games I've got my laptop in front of me and I've got a, a document and I can copy the stat blocks into those documents yeah the key bits for that session god it's so helpful it really is helpful and um yeah, so I would generally say get slightly bigger monsters with more actions mm-hmm. because, you know, a good thing to understand when you're first DMing is the action economy. We you use ha- that phrase if you so ha- many times. If you have one massive monster and it, say it does a, you know absolute boatload of damage on a single hit but it only has one attack around, it doesn't matter, your players will kill it yeah, because, because they're, 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 they're going to hit it ten times before it gets to hit them once so even if it one shots each character it's still got to do four rounds of you know like 40 attacks so it's going to die so understand that that's why legendary actions are a thing because and you you can have like an entire party of four fight a dragon and the dragon's not just going to get completely and utterly obliterated because it can do all its attacks on its own round it can breathe on other people's turns yeah it can do that it can do tail sweeps and stuff like that on other people's rounds so it's like you're actually fighting multiple monsters like you know it's like it has an initiative 
at multiple initiatives sort of thing yeah and that's how it balances but you know, again you don't necessarily need that you could use like we were talking about the trolls which do damage when they get hit with a melee attack mm-hmm. so it's like they're almost attacking on the players turns because they do it's still doing damage to them and uh it that also adds another tactical layer because then the players are like ah oh, i should be using ranged attacks on mm-hmm. this guy mm-hmm. you know to stay safe and stuff like that which is really cool um yeah, so I would say generally like one or two big monsters, maybe a couple of minions, is a much easier encounter than like ten or fifteen little guys. Yeah. Um, unless they're you know if they're all just like goblins, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know because you they all have the same stat block, they all have one attack. You know it's not loads to remember. Yeah, but it's then, not difficult. But then you are going. But if you've got like two hoblins, three hobgoblins, and an ogre, mm-hmm. then you've. Got and it problems. depends how how much you want to start making maps and stuff because if you've just got one big bad guy, you can. The players can remember their own positioning. You can remember where the bad guy is. You can sort sort of do it in theatre of the mind. Mm. But when you've got like six or seven bad guys, four players, the positioning gets quite complex, and then you're going to have to revert to a map. Which if you've got loads of minis and you want to play on a map and stuff, that's fine anyway. And if you haven't, whiteboard and pen. Yeah, exactly. Sword. Um Just dot and rub and dot. And but that's obviously just another layer of complexity that if you do, if you want to avoid, you can do just by building your encounters, uh, you know, slightly differently. Um, so the encounter stuff I don't think and as well the stat blocks in the monster manual are really easy to understand now everything's collated they're not stressful they they might look it at first Um, you might want to read up on every stat block that you're going to use before you run the session because they can't glance they can be like oh and you don't want to be caught out going to do something you're you're running a monster in a, a combat encounter and you don't know what they can do and you've got to sit there and read the stat block and it's really simple but like otherwise it, it's good yeah and you have all their stats there um it's everything's collated and in interest so so if you're like okay my my monster's got a roll of wisdom save you just check their wisdom score it will tell you if they're proficient in wisdom or not Mm. you know and if they're proficient in wisdom it will give you the total bonus if they're not you just take the wisdom stat you know and roll against it that's it it's really simple um same with you know immunities and stuff like that it's all really laid out quite quite nicely i think to be honest yeah, I think we've we've sort of divulged from from how to encourage to here are the tips we'd give, but that's kind of the same thing really. But that is how you encourage is by yeah. giving these little tips that then make again change the perspective from this really big daunting task to actually know this is quite manageable. Mm. And, Look at uh, the man behind the curtain and fun. Yeah, and remember that it is a game and it is a bit of fun and if it's a really rubbish <laughs> one shot then what does it matter but it, oh, I've never really played in a rubbish one no, shot that's the either, thing really. because there isn't one is another there? thing as well is your players will do more like starting with a one shot is really good because your players will do more crazy off the wall stuff like, which yeah, is fun and they'll, they'll bring out the character builds that they wouldn't play in a campaign no, and they're like, weird stuff and they're like well if this character dies it doesn't matter it's a one shot so I'm going to do some really crazy stuff with them mm-hmm. and that's fun you know whereas uh, in a long form campaign like with old Galahad here mate um, he's already died once so I'm, I'm keeping <laughs> I'm keeping his life very close to the chest I'm like we're not taking any unnecessary risks but we're going to go fire dragon yeah but Ben I've got a dragon sword so it's got it's got to be done yeah but yeah you know one shot players will be and that's you can do more crazy stuff than one shot if uh, players are like oh um, you know they go to the first they pop to the library and they go to historian and they're like okay I want to know the thousand year history of this place and you're like uh, well I haven't planned that so um, you can say anything because it's a one shot it doesn't matter if you want to carry yeah. it on afterwards then write that down yeah you can you can just write down what you say or if you don't want to put yourself into a box you know you that either that NPC can give something cryptic you can add another layer of challenge to it like that information you think actually no that what they're asking there is a bit um 
spit on the hush hush so they're going to have to do a persuasion check um and then okay they've rolled really high on the persuasion check so i'll give them one good thing that i'm pretty sure is going to be canon going forward you know yeah and you say oh well this happened at this time and what you can do as well i think is just have a few key bits of information prepared for your adventure that players don't have to find out but if they do find it out it will help them you know as like an advantage mm-hmm. so the big bad guy lord who they're trying to take down um there's been a history of illness in his family that's like sort of known and if the players don't have to investigate that it doesn't matter they can still complete the adventure but if they do investigate it they'll find out they that, can poison his medicine yeah or there was yeah. some like Campathy uh, back there a few hundred years ago that's cooler than my plan of poisoning his medicine so they're like now they're thinking oh he might be a werewolf he might be and then they can plan for it and then maybe he's and then of, maybe he's not a werewolf but his butler is yeah exactly or, Twist. or his I don't know his son is or something or whatever yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Um, oh, how great would that be so you go in there he's not but because it, it jumps a generation but his old elderly ill mother is so halfway through the fight when she bursts out of the bedroom yeah. as a werewolf you've prepared for it because you thought he was so all your weapons are silvered anyway yeah. so now the encounter becomes easy and that that shock whilst it's awesome the players feel it's even better because the players feel like they're, they're prepared, still prepared for, for it, it. Yeah. but if they hadn't it doesn't matter they could still beat they could still beat it it would just be harder yeah so um yeah 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 there's a there's also i like to have just little bits of key information like that that i can drop in um and it's not 100 percent necessary but it is pertinent to uh, the story if they want to uh, explore that stuff yeah it's not a bad tip especially for one shots and you you i'd say you want to make it malleable as well so i.e they can find this information from multiple sources don't yeah well that's the thing you don't don't plan your info to be delivered in a certain way no like say like oh these these characters have just completely missed out and skipped out on this key NPC that was going to give them all the the quest. I'm like, well, I'm, if that was me, I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to pick this PC up, this uh, NPC up, and just put them in front of the party somewhere else. Yeah, here on the <laughs> yeah. And the thing I do is that I I always try to, um, I I come up with the info, but I try not to think of where it could come from. Like maybe if it's really important, I'll think of like one place where it might come from, but what I tend to experience is that an M- um, the PCs will be talking to an NPC and someone will ask a question and I think oh I didn't think you'd ask that question and the question they ask is a place where I can drop the info in so why not drop it in that way too and reward them for asking a question that I never mm. thought would, would happen and there's a balance to it because obviously the more you make it malleable like that the less grounded that info and those characters are in the world if you can just pick them up and drop them somewhere else and it makes sense they were never really that grounded in the original place to begin with mm-hmm. if you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's a balance there you want some characters that you can't do that with and other other characters and info and stuff like that that you can do and items and that sort of thing like there are certain key powerful items in my world that i can't move from their current destination so if you miss them or their current location so if you miss them you miss them because yeah. they're really grounded in their lore and everything there whereas other stuff like you know if these players miss a bunch of uh, healing potions and stuff and that that were hidden away somewhere, maybe I'll just move them to the next area, you know, and give them an opportunity to Into find them room, yeah. if I want them to find them. Um, so, for instance, there's, like, I would say... I used to do it a lot as well in originally in my campaign. I don't do it so much now because I, I plan quite heavily, but originally 
I would make things up on the spot and, and just dig deeper and deeper into like this complex narrative that the players think, well, this is so deep. Right and I'm like there. literally on the spot just spewing stuff. And I'm thinking, how am I going to back this up? This makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. Things are conflicting. But it doesn't matter early on because you're giving the visage of uh, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're that yeah. meme with the guy sitting in the burning building. Like, like yeah. everything's fine. It's fine. It's okay. But, but on the outside, it looks great. It looks like you're just masterfully planned. And that is the art of DMing. It's just yeah it's kind of like you're like a you're like a swan so um a colleague said this the other day like oh i'm like a swan on the top i look graceful and peaceful but underneath the water my feet are fucking going yeah yeah they are pedaling yeah it's like it's just that kind of you know sort of you're the dumpster truck on fire but no one sees that you just no. <laughs> you know at the front you're the nice ferrari you're yeah just, you know everything's really really smooth and that is a balance and um I think, but when you're a new DM, it's fine to say, "Look, um, I haven't completely got this under wraps, you know, so I might need some help here and there." Yeah, find your people. If they're your people, they they are not going to put pressure on you. But I would say, look, you want to identify the person who you like. If you're thinking, "Oh, okay, I keep DMing my game, but I'd really like to play in it," identify the person who's, who's got an idea. You know, start there. say like talk to your, your your players. Be like, "Oh, have any of you ever wanted DM or got like a key idea you'd ever want to push forward?" And then when someone says, "Oh, yeah, I've wanted to try this," you're like, "Aha." Uh-huh. Cool. Why don't you do that? Then uh, encourage them. And then they'll say, say oh, that oh, sounds no. really good. I'd love to play in it. And they're like, oh, no, it's scary. It's scary. And you're like, well, look, if you just, I'll give you the DMG revision manual and you can yeah, prepare you can, for the test. Yeah, you can plan, plan for the, the exam. And and if they're really struggling, you go, look, there's this really great podcast. It's called We Speak Common. And mm-hmm. you can follow them on Twitter or drop them an email at we speak common at hotmail.com. And listen to this episode and you'll be ready Ask to them your questions. They'll help you out. They're great guys. That's what you can say to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you should probably subscribe as well because it will really help you going yeah. forward. And rate too because rate, that just yeah. shows how, how you know, de- devoted you are to being just, a DM. Just tell them, when you I started commenting on their uh, Reddit posts, I just improved as a DM, naturally. Blanche like dressing. magic. Branch dressing. Mm. Is that what it was, branch dressing? <laughs> I know dressing. Well, Mr. Dressing, we thank you for your... Or Mrs. Or Mrs. Mrs. Dressing. dressing. Um, we, we thank you for your comment. And uh, I hope we've branch dressing in line to you somehow hopefully that helps I mean look give it a go see what happens and if not uh, maybe you're doomed to be the DM forever it's it's not a bad position to be in we've been there for years (laughs) mate you could you could just not be playing at all so yeah that is the life of a DM cool uh, this came from this topic came from obviously a reddit user on the subreddit r slash dnd next we're getting a lot of interaction there a lot of people enjoying so if you come across us on reddit if you come across us on dnd next or any other subreddit then feel free to comment get in touch we do want to talk about the subjects you want to hear about um mm-hmm. and yeah please if you if you want to give us a share and a rate because it does really help us out awesome cool Talk right. to you later bye bye Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.